think that's it. Now we can actually begin. Uh, I, did I miss something? Release the Kraken. I mean the kids. It's funny how some of them are like slow and others are like. Have fun. Is that it? Is she the last one? Wave. Oh, goodbye. Have fun. <laughs> we just like embarrassing our kids. I learned that many years ago. How to embarrass our kids. I remember one time, my son, Joe, he said, Dad, you and Mom had better not embarrass me when I bring Angela over. And this was, this was pre... This was pre, so there's a long story there, but I'm going to make it short. So he said, all right, and, and you know, you tell us not to do something. We're like every other kid. We're going to do something. So we, we get our, we had our teeth that were crooked. You know, those, they put them in your mouth. I look like Jerry Lewis in the one movie he was in. And uh, we put on, I had a plaid jacket. And I had plaid socks that I wore on the outside of my pants and wingtips. And my wife did something very similar. And when Angela walked in, I wished I could have heard her thoughts. <laughs> I know it was probably something like, what did I get myself into? And Joe is just sitting there shaking his head like, you did not do this. Well, they ended up breaking up shortly after that. <clears throat> But years later, <laughs> they discovered each other again, and now she's my daughter-in-law. So <laughs> it all worked out, but I, I guess we didn't scare off too bad. Why did I say that? I have no clue. <laughs> Today, I wanted to talk about something that is near and dear to me only because I've recognized the importance that it's had on my life. And that is, we need to know ourselves. Know thyself. And, and who said this? Anybody know? I did. <laughs> it goes way back before me. Know thyself was actually a quote from none other than the Greek philosopher Socrates. And you may or may not know of his name. Uh, he was kind of the father of philosophy, as, as some like to look at it. But today, I want you to look at the importance of knowing yourself. Why? If you do not know who you are and what you're made of, ask yourself this question. How can you know what you've been made for? Right? Amen. Uh, Melinda just shared about her garden. You know, you've got to know what you put in there. You've got to know how to make those things grow or the, the end product isn't going to be all that great. And I believe that this is something that the Lord wants to do with us. Do you know the Lord is in the growing business? Does he want us to look the same tomorrow as we look today? No, each day, at least short or small increments, we should be growing. That's his plan. Anything God touches, and, and Melinda did allude to this, anything God touches grows. So God wants you and me to grow. Know thyself. 
Interestingly, the Bible speaks of this idea, and I'm going to share uh, this week and next on this a little bit. And, and I'm, next week I'm going to get into uh, a little bit of Paul's discussion on the gifts or giftings, because they do have to do with this. But you need to know yourself. Most early philosophers believed that man needed to understand himself as self. You understand what I'm saying there? We Christians, however, are challenged to understand ourselves not through our own eyes, but through the lens of God. When you understand how God sees you, how God perceives you, then you're able to do some of the things that he challenges us to do. But if you don't know anything about yourself, if you don't realize who you are in Christ, that you're a kingdom kid. Everybody say that. I'm a kingdom kid. If you don't realize that, then you may not even step up to the plate to the point where you're taking hold of what God's already given you. It's like the, the couple that went to, uh, on, a, on a cruise ship. And the, through the whole three days that they were on the ship, they stayed in their room. And at the end of the week, or the end of the three days, they were both like, wow, I am so hungry. And one of the other passengers heard them and said, what do you mean? They said, well, we never went to dinner. Why not? Well, because we didn't pay for it. But it was part of your package. They never took hold or took advantage of that wonderful, awesome buffet. The lobster. Now I'm going to get you thinking about it. The pancakes. Stop it. God wants us to know who we are in Christ. And we've got to get there. And in order to do that, we have to understand ourselves. There's a big difference between the two ideas of the philosophers and how God perceives us. With Greek philosophy, it begins and ends with man, right? There's little that you can do or there's nothing you can do, depending on which one you listen to. But with God, all our knowledge begins with God and ends with God. That's right. And we are so much better off knowing that. Now, the first passage I'm going, to, I'm going to turn to today is found in Romans 12. And if you have your Bible there, go ahead and turn to, to 12. And I just want to point out, it seems like we go to this passage a lot. And my only conclusion is, it must be we're not getting it then. <laughs> the Lord keeps bringing us back. At least me. I hope you're getting something out of it too. All right? Romans 12, I'm reading from the New Living Testament, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, we thank you again for this strong word today. And I pray that every person, whether they're here or watching on live stream, Lord, that we will connect with this idea today to know thyself. I ask right now that you would just till up our hearts, Lord, the hardened ground, and help us to receive from you. Holy Spirit, we give you permission 
to do what you need to do in each one of us today. Grow us up, Lord. In Christ we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 The apostle here starts out by describing how we are to use our bodies as an offering to the Lord. Have you ever thought of that? How many of you use your bodies as an offering to the Lord? Now, I'm not suggesting, like Old Testament terms, that we lay ourselves on an altar and light a fire to us. That would be silly. But what I am saying is that everything you have, if you truly believe Scripture, everything you have is from who? Or whom? God. And as such, we need to lay down what He's given us to His glory and to His praise as a sacrifice. Sometimes that means that you go out of your way to bless somebody or say a kind word, maybe to somebody who you don't want to say it to. <laughs> Ever had those moments? Holy Spirit says, you need to go over and tell that person that you really appreciate the job they're doing and in your heart you're going, no, because they never do anything. We need to be careful. Yes, absolutely. Change our heart. Lord, that we might see people as you see them. To lay down our lives for his good, for the purpose of the kingdom. We're, we should be kingdom-minded people. And one godly purpose, according to the apostle, is that we worship the Lord with our lives. Amen? Then Paul shifts to the way a man thinks. And, and this is kind of where I'm going with this thing. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now, one of the things that I've noticed over the years, and especially the last couple of decades at least, is how easily we mimic famous people. People of the world, if I can put it like that. Whether they're movie stars, sports heroes, or whomever. I believe what Paul's saying is be careful who you mimic. Be careful who you copy. Because their direction is not always going to lead you to who? The Lord. And we need to be careful to copy those who are leading us to Christ, who are leading us to the heavenly purpose that God has in store for us. Right? Do you know who the number one person is that influences children? Anybody? Do you think it's Michael Jackson to go way back? Who's a modern one? Ken, who's a modern? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody? Come on. Disney? Yeah, Disney's a great, great company that you need to be careful how much of their stuff you model. Right? You see where I'm going with this, though? Be careful who you pattern your life after. Let it be somebody that's godly. But getting back to what I was saying, and, and this surprised me a little bit, it was the parent. The parent is the one that most influences their child. And I was like, huh. Because I remember growing up, my parents were stupid. Sorry, Mom, that was past tense. But that's, I mean, as soon as I hit about 12, 13, I had everything figured out. 
So I told myself. And my parents didn't know a thing. Listen, I look back and now I realize they knew a whole lot. And then my kids came along and same thing. They never said that to me, but I'm sure they were thinking it. But our kids think the world of us. And we are, whether we want to be or not, we are their models. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you ah, into a new person. How? Everybody say it. By changing the way you think. This is so important. Everything we are has to do with how we think. How we think God thinks of us. How we think the world sees us. Our influences. When we go, listen, I don't know about you, but I, I, I was going through this and it, it was kind of scary. I went back through a little bit of my high school thinking about some of the way, ways teachers treated me. And I started getting angry in my spirit. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And, and the Lord said, you're wounded by them. And I was like, what? It didn't dawn on me. I had a teacher that kicked me out of, of her class, literally ended the term. I had to go to summer school because of it. And it wasn't my doing. There was another kid I was sitting next to who kept going, Aerosmith. And she thought I was saying it. He was like a ventriloquist. And she wouldn't listen to me. She took me out in the hall and said, you're done. I want you out of my class. And then I said some things I shouldn't have. But it was before I knew the Lord. But I realized I was wounded. And I actually found myself last night praying for this teacher. I don't even know if she's still alive. But Lord, help me to forgive. That lady could have had a huge impact on me. But instead I failed her class and it, it started a tumbling, an effect that I almost lost everything because of that. And I only say that just to say to you, we have such a powerful influence over other people. We want to do it God's way so we don't mess it up. When we do it in ourselves, we mess it up. But when we do it God's way, what? It's going to work out. And that's what we have to realize. Then, Paul said, you will what? Learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And listen, if there's one thing you walk away from here today saying, it's this. I want to learn God's will for my life. His perfect and pleasing will. So important. It is God's plan to change us from sinner to saint. He does that by changing the way we think. We apply godly principles and His words to our lives, and then we begin to think like He thinks. But you got to put it in to get it out. I'm going to say that one again you got to put it in to get it out. If you're not putting it in, you're not going to get it back out. And I'm not just talking about reading Scripture, though. That is certainly important. I'm talking about 
living it, being that example, serving. You know, when's the last time you did something for somebody where you got nothing back? You were just a blessing. You know, we, we went to uh, one of our relatives recently and just spent a few days with him. And, and, and the man, the husband, works six days a week, 10-hour shifts. He's exhausted. And he's an old guy. Older than me. That is old. <laughs> and, and while Barb and I were there, we both said, yay, let's, let's bless him. Let's do some things. So I mowed the, his lawn for him, and I, I trimmed some of his bushes, and, and I found a, a, a wasp nest, and we, we won't go there. I didn't get stung, though, thankfully. I just saw him buzzing around my leg, and I'm like, uh-oh. And then we moved about six cord of wood. that was They were in piles all over the yard. We, we stacked them up for him, and he came home, and he just went, wow. <laughs> wow. What'd you do that for? <laughs> we wanted to bless you. We didn't do it because we wanted anything in return. We love you guys, and we just wanted to bless you. That's the kind of thing we should do for others, not expecting anything in return. Godly principles, letting God teach us, use us to his glory. And then, as you do this, you will learn his will for your life. Now, most scholars agree that verses 1 and 2 actually have to do with uh, chapters 5 through 8 in the book of Romans. And that has to do with how you and I are sinners and we need a Savior. Paul goes into great detail there. In fact, if you ever need any kind of of knowledge or Scripture reference when it comes to sinning, go to chapter 6 and you'll discover it right there. But I'm going to actually be sharing a few things from uh, chapter 5. Here it is. First, Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Isn't that good news? Amen. All right, so what does that mean for you and me? We can't earn this. We can't enter into heaven because of all the great things we've done. Even if I work at camp all summer for no pay, it still won't get me into heaven. And I know a lot of you guys are thinking, that's me. <laughs> now, that was a joke, okay? I know they're paying you, but it's <laughs> I know what they pay at camp. I know. God bless you guys. Oh, thank you for investing in us, in the north, in camp. I'm assuming that you're all with the camp. Are you? Okay, good, because I made that assumption. I'm like, maybe they aren't with the camp. <laughs> maybe they're his, uh... never mind. The good news, Romans 5.18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. That's the good news. Wrapped up in a nutshell, that is the good news. So God's plan was for us to be redeemed through Jesus who paid the price for you and me on that cross at Calvary. Glory to his name. But this knowledge, how how did I figure that out? This knowledge only comes to those who go after it. You have to be a learner. 
You have to be teachable. It's surprising how many people aren't today. And listen, this is why you and I, no matter how old you are, you can never stop being a learner. I don't care if it's just learning how to reupholster your boat seats for crying out loud. And God bless you for that. I know that wasn't easy because that stuff's hard to work with. Or, or watching a YouTube video on how to build a bird nest. You're learning something. Keep your brain moving. You know, don't just let it go into that vegetative state. But keep on saying, Lord, what do you want me to learn today? What am I supposed to see today that's going to help me tomorrow to be a better person? You see, with God, everything is incremental. It's in stages. You don't just arrive. And I'm going to emphasize this throughout my message. We can never stop learning. Use your brain for good. Read Listen to books. Watch YouTube videos. Challenge yourself. You know, stop living in that realm where everything's easy. Challenge yourself. You're never going to grow. Listen, when you're a weightlifter, the only time your muscles grow is when you hurt them. (laughs) You break them down. You challenge that muscle. I want you to grow bigger. So what do you do? Do you just do five-pound weights? No, you increase it. You know what? I did five last week. It was pretty easy. This week I'm going to eights or tens. And then you go to twelves or fifteens. Pretty soon, hello, my name is Arnold. (laughs) Okay, that's a horrible, horrible rendition of him. Every time I do that, my kids say, Dad, stop it. Challenge yourself. Do whatever it takes to keep those brain cells active. Sorry to say, and this is the lazy side of me, we don't just enter this world with all knowledge. (laughs) How many wish that were the way it was, huh? Ah, I am illuminated. I am the illuminator. Stop it. Get out of that. Jeez. It's your fault, Tony. Whoops. How we learn. How do you learn? Break it down. Okay? One step at a time, right? Do do any kids, with the exception of the prodigies, do any of the kids go from kindergarten to senior high? Usually not, right? There's a a process. And the same is true with the Lord. Nobody starts out knowing everything. He is infinite in his thinking. We are finite. We're limited. He is not. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve walked in paradise, can you picture that? Picture them with clothes on, though. And they were on this quest to know God. Every day they got to walk with him. Can you imagine being able to ask God any question? Lord, why mosquitoes? 
<laughs> and some might say, well, that was after the curse. I don't know. It could have been. They probably didn't have mosquitoes in the garden. Blood suckers that they are. The quest that Adam and Eve were on, it ended abruptly, of course, when they sinned against what God had challenged them not to do. And as a result, they were expelled from his presence. Then the Lord placed a cherubim at that entrance to the garden so that no one else could enter it. I wonder if when we're in heaven, if we'll see that garden again. I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't he have just eliminated it if we weren't going to use it again, right? But he put cherubim there so no one else could enter it. For a season it must be. And you'll find all that in Genesis 3. From that point forward, humanity had to learn by trial and error. Ouch. (laughs) We didn't learn very well. Immediately, two brothers, one kills the other because God liked the one better than the other, or at least the offering. Ouch. Trial and error. We learn by doing. We learn by teaching ourselves, Today, by God's grace and His infinite mercies, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. How many are thankful for their Bibles? Where would we be without them? We'd be so messed up and mixed up, I can't imagine. God gave them to us to understand Him and so that we would know how to commune with Him. That's important. You have to know yourself so you're able to commune with God. Each of us is so unique and different in the way that, Margie, that you worship the Lord, that you commune with the Lord. It's going to be so different than how I do it. And that's okay. That's the beauty of God. When he creates snowflakes and no two are alike, can you believe somebody actually did this They photographed over a million snowflakes just to make sure. Who does that? I think at some point I would have gotten to the place where I'd gone, yeah, they're right. That's a lot of comparing. God is so awesome, and his scriptures, his word tells us all about him and the relationship the people had with him before us. Scripture, then, is like honey on our lips. How sweet your words taste to me. (laughs) They are sweeter than honey, the psalmist said. And in another, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Do you read that? Wisdom will multiply your days. Huh? You want to live long? Get smarter. Hello? Have you ever seen those guys, and maybe you've seen them on Facebook, where they work on their truck and they've got a 4 by 4 post jacked up underneath the truck while they're down there? You know what I'm saying? And you're like... Excuse me. My pointer's falling apart. But think about it. If that guy were wise, he'd know not to do... Stupid things like that. Why is it always men? I'm not even looking at you guys. 
if you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. Huh? What are we talking about here? Learn God's Word. Study it. But if you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Oof. That's good. That's good news. Ooh, it's already 11.30. So the writer of Proverbs understood that wisdom was from the Lord and the foundation and fountain of our existence. Amen? If you want to find life, discover God through your Bibles. It's sad, though, how many people will not learn from God's Word. For whatever reason. I, I think, personally, it's rebellion. The Apostle Paul said there are no excuses for ignorance. Reading from Romans 1, verse 18, it says, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And boy, do we see that today. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature. So what? They have no excuse for not knowing God. To emphasize, people have no excuse for not knowing God. Think of when a baby is born and that little one must learn the most basic things. How to eat, how to walk, how to talk. The same is true for we humans who enter their quest to discover who they are who God is, and to learn God's purpose for their lives. You'll find it, you'll discover it over time as we learn about ourselves and how God has intimately woven His being into our very existence. If you can look at yourself and say, there's not a God, how did all of this come together it wasn't by chance. You've probably seen it, and this is from an old illustration, but the old typesetters, when they would do the papers, they had to put every little letter on this, this uh, machine, and then it would stamp it and stamp it and stamp it. And if you took all those letters that made up a daily newspaper, remember what that is? Okay, just asking and you put it in a bag, and you shook that bag up, and you threw it out on the floor, is it going to make a newspaper? Is it even going to be close? You'd be lucky to get the word cat out of it. And you look at this marvel, this body, the, the image of God, and you say, oh, that just happened by chance. Really? You need to go back to school. There's no way this came from nothing. That it just appeared. Oh, I think I'll grow a finger today. 
or another, or maybe an ear. I'm sorry, I don't mean to condescend, but it drives me nuts when I hear these guys talking like this. Over time, as we learn about ourselves and how God has created us, we are then better able to grasp His great plan and how we can live a victorious life on this earth. And I believe that is key to what we're challenged to do, to live a victorious life on this earth. And Ken, the life God asks you to live is going to be so different from the life He asked me to live. That's that unique thing again. Because we're all so unique. And the way that God expects Sarah to live her life is going to be so different from that of Pastor Tony's. Because you two are so unique. So we all have to figure out what it is God wants to do with this. Everybody point at yourself and go this. Know thyself. One of my prayers that I go to a lot. Will you say it with me? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's the your? God. God. Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul's saying this again, I give each of you this warning. Uh Uh-oh. A warning. What does that mean? Bridge out. (laughs) Don't keep going. You know? The pier has 10-foot waves going over it. Don't go out. Paul has just showed us what to do with our bodies. Present them as holy living sacrifices to God. Then he starts the wheels turning on how we are to let God transform how we're thinking. How we're to measure ourselves. And then he says, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Now, this kind of took me back a little bit because I'm like, huh, what does that mean? How do I measure myself by my faith that God has given us? And I found this from Douglas Moo. And he said this verb, which is a favorite of Paul's and which we have met before in Romans, connotes not so much the active thinking in itself or the intellectual process, but the direction of one's thinking. The way in which a person views something. That's what he's talking about here. The way in which you view something. And here, I'd just like to add, perception is everything. You see, when you begin to understand this, as God created it, not as you see yourself, but as God sees you, what he's done with this miracle that you live in, then you'll begin to see what God is trying to do around you. And you can partner with Him. Begin doing the things that He wants you to do. But until you get to that place, 
it's really difficult to know what you're supposed to do next. And I, no, no upraised hands, but how many in this room, you're like, man, I don't know what God wants to do with me. None of us should think like that. We should all have a basic idea of where we're heading. Amen? So the shift between what God does, that is transforming our minds, challenging us, changing the way that we think, I'm sorry, and our part, it's subtle but powerful. Our part is subtle but powerful. First things first. (laughs) You're not all that. I know this is going to hurt some of you. You're not all that. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not all that. Anyone coming to the Lord must resign to the fact that he or she was created by God to do extraordinary things. That much we know, right? But whatever we accomplish, it is always, always, always the result of God's infinite power. Not of our finite ability. Without the Lord, we can achieve little of kingdom significance. Now notice I did not say we could achieve little. I said we can do little of kingdom significance. There are going to be people who are going to stand at the feet of the Master who have done great excerpts, feats that were unlimited by others, Great and powerful things. People were changed. Countries were ruled by these men and these women. But sadly, they're going to stand at the feet of Jesus and he's going to look at them and go, eh. Why? Because what they did did not have any kingdom significance. And that's why this is so important that we know thyself, that we know what God wants to inherently do with us. I hope you're tracking with me. Hallelujah. My paraphrase of Paul's warning, do not think highly of yourself, but do an evaluation. And make sure you are thinking God thoughts and making God plans for your life. How's that? Paul ties all this together when he tells us not only to be honest on our own self-evaluation, but to measure ourselves with God's measuring stick of faith. Hmm. Again, Moose said about this, it is that faith, the pernusia, which believers have in common as fellow members of the body of Christ that Paul here highlights as the standard against which each of us is to estimate himself. Now that's a lot of verbiage there. But I believe what it's saying is, as we look around us, we need to measure ourselves by the faith that God has given us, and how are we using it? Or not using it? How many of us have faith that we've never even used And God's saying, that's not why I created you. He honors those who use their faith. He spent all of Hebrews 11 and then 12 going into the beginning part 
talking about the heroes of faith. It's impossible to please God without it. Amen? So we're all given the same faith in Christ. And by same, I mean we all serve the same God, the same Holy Spirit, and it's the same faith. And we all get a portion of that. However, individually, it is often different how we use it. Some dive into their faith and do great things for the Lord, while others do little. And that's why it's so important that you and I self-evaluate. Are we living for the Lord? Are we just getting by? And as we self-evaluate, listen, there are many things that the Holy Spirit desires to show us. Sometimes He just wants to say, hey, great job, Laura. Great job. Keep on. Keep on, girl. You got this. And there are other times when he looks down and he goes, hey, Norm, (laughs) really? (laughs) What were you thinking? (laughs) Back it off, buddy. I mean, he says it probably in a nicer way than that usually. Hey, it's my mind, my relationship. You hear from him the way you want to. But he challenges us to do things different sometimes. And hopefully those changes that he recommends will be an improvement as it was intended, right? You know, I used to, and and I say this, and I'm so grateful for God's grace and his mercy. I used to have a temper. And it was so easy for somebody to strike a match and light my fuse. And I was really an ugly character when it happened. It took a lot to get me there, but if they got me going, you just wanted to get out of the way because I wasn't, I wasn't a friendly dude. And then I met Jesus. And I gave him lordship of my life. And I started reading the good book, the Bible, the scriptures, In seeing how God changes us. I was born again. I was a new man. The old dude, he's he's gone. I'm a new creation in Christ. And he was trying to do something with me. And every now and then I, I would lose it a little. This is after I was saved. I'd lose it a little. And he, I know this never happens to you, June. And he would take me to the woodshed, so to speak. And he'd say, Norm, you can do better. And that happened a couple times, maybe ten. <laughs> but at least a couple. And the beauty of it was that that old man, that... that yes. Mm, yes. He disappeared. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise his holy name. I don't care what you're dealing with. If it's sinful, if it's not of God's nature, He can help you. But you got to be serious about it. You got to let Him teach you. You got to get the Word in you. Go to those scriptures that talk about whatever it is you're dealing with. Patience. <laughs> you need some patience. I used to, I, I quit praying for patience. 
This was years ago, and, and now I don't need to. It, it's, I'm changed. I'm better. I mean, I still have a few times when I'm, maybe I'm a little, little anxious, but not very often. That's because God has done the work in me. I've been teachable. I have allowed Him to change me from the inside out. That's my story. When we begin to understand our limits and our boundaries, it makes it so much easier for us to get the mind of Christ and to take control of that sinful nature. Are you hearing me this morning, church? And listen, that's when we start to mature in the Lord. Everyone needs to self-evaluate. See that? Everyone needs to self-evaluate. When a child is sent to his or her room because they did something that was disobedient, why do we send them there? Is it to punish them? Well, sometimes. Is it to give the parent a little peace and quiet for a minute? Sometimes. But is it the key reason that we want them to think about what they just did so that they can change that action in their life, that or reaction, whatever it is. And the Lord does the same thing with you and me as adult Christians, right? What Paul was telling the church was when they self-evaluate, they needed to be honest with themselves and not give themselves a higher grade than they should. How many have ever gotten a picture from a child? A picture, a, a drawing or something, right? And you look at it and you go, oh, it's beautiful. Why do we say that to those kids? We don't want to burst their bubble. We, we want to encourage them, right? But if you'll be honest, very seldom do you look at that and say that and go, man, that's really good. Usually you're like, man, you got some work, boy. <laughs> we go into our adult lives thinking the same thing, doing the same thing. Like that drawing, like that child with a drawing. We, we go to work, and man, I do more work than anybody at this company. <laughs> right? Or... I pray more, I'm more spiritual than anybody at that Hope Church. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing the deep voice, but. <laughs> we think we're better at these things than we really are. And when we self-evaluate, we, we and by that I mean that you say to the Lord, Lord, show me today who I really am. I need you to illuminate my weaknesses, my strengths. Lord, where does, where does change need to take place in this man or this woman of God? How can I better serve your kingdom? What can I do for the kingdom of God today? These are things that we need to self-meditate on, self-evaluate, and let the Lord speak. Often, though, we give ourselves a pat on the back when we really need to see that our work is not all that good. We need to measure ourselves with God's measuring stick. Otherwise, we'll think more highly of ourselves than we should. And we'll miss 
godly opportunities for improvement. When God takes you to the woodshed, you know what I mean by that, right? In the old days, that's where you got a whooping because it was out of sight, out of mind. And usually you couldn't hear the little, little person screaming depending on how far the woodshed was away from the house. We don't do that anymore. But we need to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit. We need to let Him teach us if we're ever going to improve. In conclusion, I want to encourage everybody here and those of you online to take time this week and self-evaluate. What is it that God wants you to know that you didn't know before? Maybe it'll come from Scripture as you read it. Have you ever read over a verse and gone back to it months later and it's like says something completely different than what you thought it said the first time? This passage seems to be one of them because we keep coming back. What does God want to do with you? Would you stand with me? Let some blood flow to your feet. I want you to do an inventory. Know thyself. What makes you tick? What are your likes and your dislikes? And if they're your spouse, that's a, that's a problem, but you can work on that down the road. But just right now, just figure out who you are. And maybe that really is an issue. I don't mean to lightly say that because there are some that whatever your relationship is with your husband or wife, it's not a good thing. And, you know, lots of headbutts. I just spent time around a, a, some friends of ours who have goats. And, and I've never seen so much headbutting in my life. All those little rascals did. But when that's your marriage, <laughs> oh, it's not fun. And God is more than able to change you. You can't change anybody else. But you can let the Holy Spirit into your life to change you. You can be different. And sometimes when your perception changes, so will that of the other. I wish I had time to go into our, our testimony, but our marriage is our testimony my wife and I because that was us years ago back in the early 80s and then I met Jesus <laughs> Woo! and he took me to the woodshed Norm you don't know how to love your wife and I'm like I know what do I do and I continued reading his word I continued praying I continued getting in the presence of God just to worship Him. And things, things slowly dissipated. Things slowly were lifted. The things that didn't belong in this Christ-bearer began to... And I'd come out of those, those times with the Lord that were so refreshing and so renewing, and I would just go... Thank you, Lord. And I'd go home if I wasn't already there. And, and I would look at my wife in a different light. 
I'm looking back there because that's where she is. That glow around her head. I love you. I couldn't have said that in 1981. Not very easily. So I don't care what you're going through. God is able to change your circumstances. And he does this by changing you. (laughs) What sinful things need correction in your life? What areas do you need to improve in? And here's the last one. Where does God want you to stretch your faith and grow? This last one, when it hit, I was just like, oh, man. It always hits home first. I'm sitting here thinking about all the things that I've been doing with school and all that. And and it was like the Holy Spirit said, when's the last time you stretched yourself, Norm? I was like, oh, doggone. It's been a while. So I'm just saying, I'm no different than you. We, we fall into that, that regimen, that routine, and we, we forget that God wants to do the miraculous through us. If only we'll give him a chance to do it. What does he want to do in and through you? You're the only person he can do it through, the two. That, that's the other beauty of this thing. Because of you, the way you are created in Christ, God can only use you to do certain things. But we have to let him. We have to learn about that stuff and let him do it. I'm going to talk more about this next week, but this week, just hang on to this idea. As you self-evaluate, please begin it with this, Holy Spirit, Show me what I need to see today. Help me be a learner. Will you say that with me? Help me be a learner. I want to understand who I am. Say it. I want to understand who I am. I want to understand you better. And I want to know my kingdom purpose. How do you want to use me, Lord? I give you permission. Keep saying it. To do whatever you need to do. I put my hands, my life, my body into your hands. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you just worship him for a minute? Let the Lord move in your life. Such a strong presence. If you need more, if you just need a touch and and you're able, just come on down to the altar. Reach up to him today. Say, Abba, Father, Daddy, (laughs) help me. Help me, Lord. I've been lost but you found me. Help me, Lord, to know my place, to know myself.
somebody in this room, God is, is speaking to me, saying to you, He has called you to be a worshiper, but you have been afraid to step out. And He's challenging you today to become a worshiper. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know you know what I'm saying right now. And, and if you will say, Lord, help me to be a worshiper, the worshiper you want me to be, I believe God will, will illustrate or demonstrate or somehow show you what that's going to look like. He's got that for you today. So, And listen, this is an honor. <laughs> if God's asking you to be a worshiper, this is an honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Daddy, we, we close this service today with an acknowledgement that we could do nothing without you, without your strength, power, glory, mercy, love, and all the rest of your attributes. Now help us to grow up, Lord, to mature in Christ. We love you, Lord. And, and as we, we go about doing the, the business, our business, Lord, help us to see opportunities to share the good news of Jesus, to express what you have done for us that's changed our life and made it better. Help us to see those God moments, Lord, that only you can provide. And not to be so fast and so busy at what we're doing in our own life that we miss these opportunities. Lord, for the, the lost, the destitute, the downtrodden, the hopeless, help us to see them. Lord, to stop and to recognize that the God in us is ministering to those people at that moment. And then help us to get out of the way and let you do what only you can do. <laughs> we love you, Lord. Keep our family safe. Bring us back again next week. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. <laughs>